0: dream is the song, the surf zombies are the band, the album is Lust for Rust, and the podcast is Monster Kid Radio, where we celebrate the classic, and sometimes not so classic, genre cinema of yesteryear. Oh, and your host, it's me, writer-producer Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the 170th episode of the podcast. Now, this is going to be part two of our conversation with Roger Cook, Rondo award-winning artist Roger Cook. You can find out all about him by checking out his book, Roger Cook, A Life in Pictures, Over at Amazon, or follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. Roger spells his name and pronounces his name the same way I do. It's K O C H. So if you're looking him up, well, that's how you do it. We introduced you to Roger in the last episode of Monster Kid Radio, and we left you at a cliffhanger because he was about to start telling us about the time. He was in England, made a couple of phone calls, and boom. He gets some even some price. There's a little bit more to it than that, but I'm not going to steal his thunder. We're going to let him tell us all about his journeys, his travels, and the time he sat down with one of the Masters. Before all that, though, let me tell you about Monster Kid Radio. Like I said, we celebrate classic monster movies and everything that has to do with classic monster movies. You can find out all about us over at monsterkidradio.com. This is where you're going to find links to everything that you need to know about the podcast between episodes. I mentioned the show notes. Well, you're going to find show notes over there. You can find a link to our Amazon store where you can pick up a copy of Roger Cook, A Life in Pictures, as well as anything else that we talk about here on the show. You can find links to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of the show. And here in about a week or so, we're going to be reworking the reward levels on that. So keep an eye out for that. We have a link for our Facebook group. So if you're a Facebook user, you can be in contact with Listeners of Monster Kid Radio and me, well, on Facebook pretty much any Our contact information is here as well. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is our email address. And our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MK. You can call, leave me a message, I'll play it on the show, respond to it. That is a Google voicemail number, however, it's got a three-minute limit. Other things that you're going to find in the show notes this time around, well, there's a link to the Classic Horror Film Board, and the reason I bring it up is because they are now accepting nominations for the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. Monster Kid Radio was an honorable mention last year, so big thanks to everybody who helped make that happen. If you want to get your voice heard over in the forums over there and maybe have some influence on what the ballot looks like well head over there and get signed up on the message board and start making some nominations for well what you thought the best in classic horror fandom scholarship and all that was last year in 2014 speaking of things that you can vote for Big congratulations to my good friend Larry Underwood. You might know him as horror host Dr. Gain Green. Dr. Gain Green will be inducted into the Horror Host Hall of Fame this year at Horror Hound Weekend. That was by popular vote, which means some of y'all made that happen. So congratulations to Dr. Gain Green for getting recognized as, well, a horror host that's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Right on. Where was I? Nominations for the Ballads for the Round Awards. Congrats to Dr. You know what? Let's just get on with it. Roger Cook's going to tell us all about the time he met Vincent Price right after this.
1: Now, giant entertainment,
0: giant terror,
1: the war of the gargantuan, and Monster Zero. Do you see anything? From a planet 50 million miles beyond the stars came a strange message. Lend us your Rodan and Godzilla to fight our Monster Zero. Earth answers, and the most dreaded creatures ever to walk our planet are lifted into outer space. The stage is set for the mightiest battle ever seen by the universe in Monster Zero. All forces on Earth ready to attack. What started out as a call for help from space turns into a nightmare of terror on Earth, Monster Zero, and the War of the Gargantuan. It began with a mysterious, wild storm at sea, and before the night was over, the whole world would hear of the terror of the
2: Gargantuas.
1: Where had such a monster come from? What forces created such a devastating destroyer? Who or what could stand up to it? armies fought the monster with million-volt laser beams. Hey, look! Another one! You'll see all of their terrifying battle to the death when you come to the greatest monster movies ever made, The War of the Gantuas and Monster Zero.
3: Hammer Film Productions began in 1934 and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts, describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey.
0: Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, And amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Hammer, that's vodka and orange juice. This boy has a lot to learn. Join
3: our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website, www.1951downplace.com
0: Wait, that's a screwdriver.
3: 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films Discussion.
4: Never been a ghost story created especially for the adult moviegoer until The Innocents. <laughs> Do they
2: ever return
4: to possess a living in the living mr Century Fox, which presented motion in as in *Heaven Knows, Mr. Allison*, and such outstanding motion picture immortals as Snake Pit. Gentlemen's Agreement and Peyton Place now gives you The Innocence. Based on the Henry James Chiller of macabre evil. Brilliantly adapted for the screen by William Archibald and Truman Capote. <laughs> they never return to possess the living. <laughs> you
2: ah, You must. Ah, you're, 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 you you ah.
4: The Innocence, produced and directed by Jack Clayton, the man who directed Room at the Top, turned into fearful reality by the magnificent performance of Miss Deborah Carr with Michael Redgrave as the uncle, co-starring Peter Wingard, Megs Jenkins,
1: I saw him staring. Who, miss? The same man, the man on the tower. The tower. But
3: now, just now, he was staring past me into the house as if he were hunting someone. Oh, was he, like, Miss? Oh, he had dark, curling hair and the hardest, the coldest eyes. Is he? Uh, Would you
4: say he was very handsome? Yes, yes, handsome. Handsome when I've seen Do they ever return to possess a living?
1: And when did you first See
2: and hear of such things. Why? Well, I made them up. Shall I tell you who taught them to you? I won't again, I promise. Shall I tell you who taught you the things you've
3: done, the things you've said? Shall I tell you his name?
4: Perhaps the most controversial concept in human relationships ever presented on the screen. With one of the world's great stars... From the man who directed Room at the Top, a new and adult motion picture experience. they, they, they ever return to possess the living?
3: Ladies and gentlemen, for the next few moments, you will be witnessing scenes from a new motion picture starring Vincent Price, master of the macabre. To those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. Perhaps it was inevitable. For years, this man has played the role of Dr. Death. For years, he has pretended to be a hideous, murdering monster. Now, at last, he has actually become one. American International presents Vincent Price in... Madhouse Where lunacy lives
1: All I ever got Was a stake through the heart Tonight I would like you to meet my next victim Fear lurks Evil walks And death waits Death is the name of the doctor you've met Stop it!
3: Madhouse A cinematic shock treatment Guaranteed Scare you out of your mind. No one ever leaves
0: Madhouse. So Madhouse—it's a little outside of our wheelhouse here on Monster Kid Radio. It's from the mid '70s, but you got Vincent Price, you got Peter Cushing. It's got a home here on Monster Kid Radio, and I just watched the movie for the first time uh, the other day. I loved it. I thought it was great. And Price and Cushing together. I wish they'd made more movies together because they're just fantastic with each other. Yes. But you've got more than just the experience of watching the movie. Somehow you ended up on set. I did. You got to tell me more than that, man.
5: <laughs> well, if you want to know how I wound up there, yeah, there's a little bit of a backstory. Okay. I was overseas. I had a three-year stint as a Peace Corps volunteer in Thailand.
6: Okay.
5: Uh, normally, there are two years, but I had extended a third year. And during my break, between the second and third year, I cut short some of my vacation time that I was spending in the States, and I went to Japan because I wanted to go there. I was in Tokyo and Kyoto, and
2: mm-hmm.
5: and while I was walking around Tokyo, I saw this big building with the words in English... Toho Screen and Stage.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> and I went,
5: wow. <laughs> so I took a picture, I took a color slide of it, and I went, man, how cool would it be to actually get to Toho Studios? And I walked up to the building, and they had a little uh, window uh, right there down by the sidewalk, and there was a, a girl in there sitting in there, and I started talking to her. It was pretty funny because she couldn't speak English.
6: Uh-oh.
5: <laughs> Not very well, anyway, and I didn't couldn't speak Japanese, and I can't remember how it actually went down. But I guess I was persistent or something. Eventually, she left and came back, and or somebody else told me that they gave me an address, and they said for a taxi cab to take me out to Toho Studios, the next day. Oh, okay. And, and, uh, I went there, and I was greeted by a man in a in a suit uh, who did a lot of bowing and smiling, and he couldn't speak English either. But anyway, I, I had a tour of Toho Studios. So that kind of emboldened me. So after the Peace Corps was over with, I had a readjustment allowance, and I knew that that would be valuable once I got home, but I also knew that there was a lot of neat places between Thailand and home, That I would never see if I didn't take advantage of it and use that money to do that. Sure. So I did. Got myself a charter ticket on Air France and I hopped around and, you know, I went to India and Nepal and Iran and then I wound up in Europe and I did a lot of the major cities in Europe and my last stop was London. So I'm in London and one night I went out and I saw Theater of Blood, which was uh, showing there. Not knowing that I'm going to be seeing Vincent Price in person really soon.
1: This is the sound of a human heartbeat. But this heartbeat is different because this heart is beating outside the body. Vincent Price saw to that. Vincent Price has long been a master of mayhem, but in Theater of Blood, he outdoes himself at doing people in. Theater of Blood, from United Artists, rated R under 17, not admitted without a
5: parent. The next day, I was... Or maybe it was, maybe it was even the, the day that I went to see Theater Blood. I went to the payphone in the uh, bed and breakfast place that I was staying in. And I thought, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. It worked in Tokyo. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. <laughs> and I looked up, uh, you know, because I'm a monster kid and I, I retain a lot of uh, names and stuff like that. You know, like sports people can tell you about the games and who scored this many points and all of sure. that. So I knew Twickenham Studios, because, see I, see, I was lucky. When I was in the Peace Corps, I was only an hour and a half by train from Bangkok, and the Thais loved movies. So I could slip in there on a weekend, and I could see movies, and I kept up with, like, the Hammers and the Amicus movies. So oh, nice. I i had okay. already seen the Tales from the Crypt and Asylum and House of Drip Blood. I've seen all that. So I dialed up, I guess I looked through the book, it's hard to remember, I was 26 then and I'm 67 now, so. Okay. <laughs> I dialed up Twickenham Studios, because I knew about Twickenham Studios. That, that that just popped in my mind, instead of like Shepardin or Pinewood, Twickenham popped in my mind. Okay. So I called, and somebody answered it. A woman answered the phone, and I basically said very quickly, yeah, nothing more than I'm um, American tourist, and I really like the Amicus movies. And uh, is there any way I could speak with uh, either Max J. Rosenberg or Milton Sabotsky?
0: <laughs> wow. Okay.
5: And I'm thinking, like, yeah, right. That, like, that's going straight happen. to the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 she responds, you know, keep in mind this was 1973. Uh, she responds, oh. Max is in Los Angeles, but hold on, I'll get you Milton. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to imagine being in a payphone and having that, it's like, well, what, what? Yes. <laughs>
5: yeah, and, and I, I'm going like, wow, this is a lot easier than I had thought it would be. So the next thing I know, I've got Milton Sabatsky on the phone. Wow. And I just gave him the same little thing about, you know, hey, I'm an American and I love your movies and I'm on my way back home from the Peace Corps and, and I wanted to tell you how much I love Amicus films. And he invited me out the next day. He said, <laughs> come on out. Wow. And he got my name and everything and he said, you know, just take, hit the cab uh, cab driver, taxi driver, drop you off and the guard will be expecting you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, so, of course, that's what I did. I don't think I got that much sleep that night.
0: I was going to imagine, yeah.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, you know, they ushered me in. And, you know, you see a lot of Twickenham as it was in Madhouse. That's one of the more fascinating aspects of that movie.
6: Mm -hmm.
5: You you see Manson Price walking in, you know, to like the entranceway where there's a lobby. That's where I I was taken. And they even had the stuff from Madhouse. They had like a bulletin board. It said, Dr. Death, (laughs) and it had a picture of Vincent Price on it. Oh, wow. And I didn't know what was going on. So I was taken to Milton Sabatsky's office, and we had a very brief, uh, I mean, handshake, and I I guess I gave him some compliments and thanked him. And and the next thing I know, and he's a a busy executive, so he says, come with me. So I'm following him through the hallways of Twickenham, which you can see. In the movie Madhouse, those those aren't sets. That's the actual hallways. They I mean they put little names on doors and stuff that were fictional, sure, like Paul Toombs and uh, Rainbow Television and stuff like that. But that was that was actually Twickenham. So we come to the soundstage and we waited outside because the red light was on, big red light. Mm-hmm. And while we were standing there, uh, Milton Subotsky said, "I'm going to leave you here for a while, and I may be back later." because I'm going out to Shepperton, and I may come and, and get you. And he said, we're doing a scene out in Shepperton with Ian Carmichael and Margaret Leighton. Of course, it didn't mean much to me at the time, but now I know that they were shooting one of the stories from, the, from Beyond the Grave.
3: <laughs> Every once in a while, there is a special kind of horror film that becomes a horror classic. In 1931, it was Frankenstein. In 1932, it was Dracula. In 1971, it was Rosemary's Baby. In 1973, it was The Exorcist. And this year, it is From Beyond the Grave. Secret worlds become public nightmares where children's play toys are the devil's weapons, a truly terrifying motion picture where death is just the beginning and the grave is not just a resting place. And pleasant rooms become evil tombs. From beyond the grave, the horror picture you will remember all your
5: life. If you remember that one.
6: That yeah. That <laughs>
5: particular story where Ian Carmichael's got the, like the invisible demon on his shoulder. <laughs> And Margaret Leighton plays the psychic that gets rid of things like that. Sure. Uh, anyway, that never happened. I mean, I never, once the door opened uh-huh. and I went inside, that's the last I ever saw of Milton Subotsky. Okay. He either got busy and forgot about me or whatever. Or maybe he figured that I would just as soon stay with Benson Price than go to. Go to see Ian Carmichael and Margaret Layton, which I think he was correct.
0: Probably, yeah. Good good call there.
5: (laughs) Yeah. And he opened the door. Uh, Just as he opened the door, imagine how hard it was for me to take this in. Here comes this tall man wearing a black cape, and he's coming right towards me. Uh Uh-huh. He is coming right towards me. And he can see that I've been ushered in by uh, Milton Sabotsky. I don't recall Milton Sabotsky saying anything to him or anything, or even introducing me or anything, and I'm not even sure where Vincent was heading. It, it dawned on me, oh my God, this is Vincent Price, I can't believe this. And <laughs> as he got closer to me, I don't know, he might have been heading to his dressing room or something, he said, uh, I guess I'm i am probably paraphrasing, but he said uh, something to the effect of, well, if, if we'd known you were coming, we would have waited. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! You know, by some miracle, I, I managed to, to remain on my feet and conscious. So then I'm in—I mean, I'm in there, and I'm in on the sound stage and I'm looking around and I'm taking it in, trying to figure out. Well, oh my God, this must be—they're doing a Vincent Price movie. And as I'm looking around, I'm starting to get a little confused because the set that was up—well, there were actually two sets. One of them was. A real small set with just white walls and a bed, which is where, after the uh, introductory piece of Madhouse, uh, they're giving Vincent an, an injection because he's he's, he's swooning, oh, right <laughs> because he saw his fiance without her head. Mm. But that <laughs> that was the set for that. Uh, I know that now. But the main set was that uh, that room with the fireplace and a big table with food on it and a chandelier hanging down and the bed with the canopy. But then I'm noticing there's cameras and the cameras say rainbow television. Well, see, I didn't know what this movie was, so so I thought, well, maybe this is a television show that Vincent is doing. You know, I didn't know yeah, I thought maybe Rainbow Television was a real thing.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, this is, what, early 70s, so it's not like you have the Internet and people are talking about what Vincent Price is making right now. So, yeah, I mean,
5: right. I'm trying to right, imagine right.
0: walking into a set right. that's got a set, you know. So
5: Right. And then I saw the director being addressed. and I can't remember. It's just hard to remember every single detail. But I pretty soon found out that the man who was directing the movie was named Jim Clark, well, that confused me, too, because had it been Roy Ward Baker or Freddie Francis, or something, I, would, you know, I would have gone, oh, yeah.
0: Sure, sure.
5: I had never heard of Jim Clark, and only later, by doing research, only later did I find out that this guy had been the editor on The, the Innocents which is one of my favorite ghost movies. Oh, no. you
6: know,
5: Jack Jack Clayton's The Innocents, yeah. Uh-huh. He hadn't done many he hadn't directed many movies, but he had edited The Innocents. And, but then I did hear them calling the name out of the art director whose name was Tony Curtis and I recognized that immediately because sure. he was credited on Tales and the Cro all, all the Amicus films, at least the later ones. So he was there on the job and eventually Vincent came back in and he sat down in his chair and he was being attended to by a woman, uh, kind of a middle-aged woman. I don't know. I have no idea who that was. Uh, it wasn't Coral Brown. <laughs> she wasn't there that day. I didn't even know that his romance with her had begun. I had no, no clue. Sure. She wasn't there. Maybe she was having her hair done or something. <laughs> uh,
6: <laughs>
5: so the woman that was uh, leaning over with him, it was either either like a wardrobe mistress or uh Maybe the, the script person. I don't know. don't know who it was, but uh, eventually uh, she went away, and I'm standing there, and uh, so Vincent turns to me. He, he's not getting up. He just turned to me and he smiled, and he reached out and extended his hand, and I shook his hand, and he was very interested to find out that I was an American, and I told him that you know that Mr. Subotsky had kindly invited me and that it was a big thrill, and I was on my way back traveling. On my way back home, after three years in in the peace corps, and he immediately pointed over uh she was uh, she couldn't hear him she was uh, on the other side of the the sound stage mm-hmm. he she he pointed to this little blonde girl who uh had uh, a pink shirt that was all bloody
2: <laughs>
5: and blue jeans <laughs> and he went now she's a real peace corps. and you know that's that's typical i guess that's very typical of of vincent he was just always you know cracking wise cracking and and just being really fun (laughs) so of course i found out later that the little girl who's the peace corps was an actress by the name of natasha pine and uh, at the time I didn't think I knew her. I later found out that I had seen her in Franco Zeffirelli's uh, The Taming of the Shrew with Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton.
6: They had her as
5: the romantic interest to uh, Michael York. I think that was Michael York's uh, first movie. I had no idea that she had ever done a Hammer movie because at that time I had not ever seen Devil Ship Pirates.
6: Oh, okay. Of course, I have
5: now, and she's good in it. So anyway...
6: (laughs) Wow.
5: So I might have the chronology wrong here, but but eventually Vincent he got up and he invited me, he said, Come with me and I followed him into his dressing room. And so there I am in with oh, Vincent Price man. in his dressing room. And of course I'm I'm just flabbergasted, I don't know what to say. I mean I'm babbling nonsense about house on Hot Hill <laughs> in a <Marjo> and... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's not. He he wasn't. He wasn't interested much in, in that. In talking about anything like, about himself or the movies, he wanted because I was an American. He was interested in talking to me about the Watergate scandal.
6: Oh wow!
5: Which of course was in full bloom. Uh uh-huh. At that time, that had broke late in my last year as a Peace Corps volunteer, and it was just. Huge. I mean, it was the hugest news in the world. And so Vincent was completely fascinated with what was going on in the States uh, with the Watergate scandal. So we chatted about that. And then he reached and uh, got a uh, an 8x10 photo that was uh, done, uh, a publicity photo from that house. And I have it right here framed. I need to get my daughter to take a picture of it sometime. It's under glass. And it's he, his pose. He's wearing the the suit and the hat that he wears in that house when he gets off the ship. Oh, okay. And he's he's kind of looking pensive, and he's uh, holding a holding a cigarette uh, with a real long ash on the on the end of it. <laughs> and he he writes uh, for Roger all my best always, Benson Price.
2: So
6: wow.
5: That's the only uh, actual memento, other than my my memory, that I have from that day because I did not take my camera. I, I mean, I was taking color slides. I don't know if I didn't think to bring it or I thought that might not be something that would be appreciated. So I I did not bring a camera.
0: Well, it's not like they told you ahead of time you're going to meet Vincent Price, you know?
5: So. Absolutely.
0: <laughs>
5: Absolutely. I thought I was going to meet Milton Zabowski. <laughs> right. and that'd be it. You know, I had no idea they were even doing a movie. So yeah, he gave me that, and and then the action started. They they basically the, the I was there. That was in, pretty early in the morning when I got there, and I didn't leave until I guess shortly before, you know, before before dinner time. Oh wow! And the whole time I was there with nothing to eat, and standing. But I'm on cloud. 27 so it doesn't matter say <laughs> so, like you care at
0: this point yeah
5: <laughs> i'm only 26 years old what the hell <laughs> and uh so i'm watching uh basically the rest of the day was taking up with the, the shooting of three different scenes the first scene which they did uh oh, two or three takes of was uh his final well you think it's his final, it, it, that soliloquy he does where Natasha Pine, is, who played uh, Julia, the uh, public relations girl from the television studio, she's been murdered. That's why her pink shirt's all bloody. And she's <laughs> sitting in this chair playing dead. And uh, his character, Paul Timms, is very distraught and he has, has a speech, which he was he was lead, delivered perfectly. And uh, he had all the lights were down, you know, and he was lighting the candles. And, and I watched him film that scene two or three times. And then they called for some guys to gel up the set, Okay. which means they smear stuff that's flammable all over. the So everything that's going to burn on the set has to be gelled first. Now, I had also noticed ever since I had been there, a man who was also wearing a black cape and had a hat sitting next to him, he was just kind of sitting on the sidelines. Nobody was talking to him. He was just kind of sitting there looking bored. Well, that was the stuntman. Who they did eventually call Rocky and who I've now found out was a, a very well uh, oft used stuntman back then named Rocky Taylor. As a matter of fact, Rocky Taylor, I think he's still in the business. I don't think he's doing stunts anymore, but he's a supervising stunts. Oh, okay. Because I, I saw a DVD, I can't remember what the movie was, but uh, they had an extra about him. And he was in other movies. He was in that, oh, that, uh, what's that, motorcycle movie with uh, George Sanders? With
0: the living dead on the the motorcycles riding around Stonehenge. You know that one? I I do, and why am I drawing a blank on it? They were just ordinary
1: troublemakers as long as they lived. But they returned from beyond the grave with superhuman powers, unleashing an unholy reign of terror that holds an entire community in the grip of Psychomania. Psychomania. Everybody dies, don't they? But some come back. How do the dead
4: come back, Mother?
1: When you die, you've got to believe that you're going to come back. Die once. After that, nothing and nobody can harm you.
2: Oh man, what are you waiting for? I must stop him. You can't. I must.
1: Psychomania. What happened? You're not dead. That's what I was trying to tell you, Tom. I
2: don't want to die.
5: Get after them! Well, Rocky Taylor is, is, I think he drives a motorcycle off of a bridge. He's he's one of the the stunt guys there. So he was just sitting there waiting to go up in flames. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So anyway, they had Vincent... Torching the set, and then they had the firemen all standing by with the fire extinguishers, and they would put out the fire. And then uh, something about it, I guess the director didn't like, so they had to redo it. Oh wow! Which meant that they had yeah, so they had like duplications of uh, like the 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 curtains on the bed canopy and the the pictures on the wall and uh, whatever it was that was burned, they brought out replacements. And they did it again. And then I, at one point I heard someone, and I don't know whether it was the, the assistant director, who was, I think was Alan James, I think, or the or Jim Clark, the director. Somebody called out, hey, Vincent, you burn up on all your movies. Are we doing this right?
2: <laughs>
0: nice.
5: <laughs> and that's something you don't, you know, you don't easily forget. <laughs> And I remember that they, they also uh, took extra time because somebody, probably the director, called for a -- I think it, it seemed to me like it was a spur of the moment decision. And there's a shot of that set where you're looking down from a height.
6: Uh-huh.
5: I, I was there when they did that shot, they, they rigged that, and it took a lot of time. So I could, I could see you know how time-consuming and how if you're acting in a movie, how you know you spend most of your time just sitting on your butt. So they did that. Uh, then they set Rocky Taylor on fire, and then they extinguished him. That was something to see, because he really went up, and he fell on that big table full of, full of fruit and whatever it was, and that was quite, quite a thrill. Wow. So that was the second scene they did. And then during the time when the set was burning, and they had a, a wax dummy of Natasha Pine sitting in the chair, you can actually see it melting in the, in the movie.
0: Yeah, just and, a little uh, bit. I I flashed back to House of Wax here for a second when I saw that.
5: Yeah, yeah. And so I was standing looking through a, a I don't know, either a, a window or, or a crack on the other side of that set, and I happened to be standing with Natasha Pine. <laughs> And I kid you not, I remember her saying, Oh, look, you can see my titties.
6: (laughs) Wow. Yeah,
5: I'm recalling a lot of these goodies. They they had shots of the... I think there was still fire going on, but they had the real Natasha Pine was sitting in the the chair uh, playing dead, so they had some close-ups to do of her sitting in the chair. And while that was being shot... I was in the back of this, of that set, and I was, I was standing so close to Vincent that, you know, my uh, left hand was brushing against his, his cape. Wow. And while they were shooting her, he looked over at me and he said, that's really hard to do. Which (laughs) I thought, well, that was cool, you know, because, I mean, he was, he wasn't just off somewhere on it. He was watching. And he was yeah. he was complimentary, and it was just the way he was. He was very friendly, not just to me. He was friendly to everyone, even the the yeah. crew people. He was just like one of the team, and he he did not have any errors about him. No superiority. No, no uh, don't touch me on the star. Nothing like that. Just real. If you have ever, which I'm sure you have, we all have you know, fantasized about being able to meet somebody like that. Well, I mean, it's exactly the way you would have wanted it to be.
0: You know, I've heard stories that he was a class act. He was always, like you said, part of the team, very professional, never really took on airs.
5: And he, he was limping badly that day. Oh, no. I don't know whether he had some kind of a condition or whether he had injured himself. You know, he wasn't doing that great on his feet. But, I mean, I don't think it was permanent. Because years later, back in, in Ohio, I was way in the back of the theater. I could hardly see him, but I saw him doing Fagin and Oliver, and he was dancing around the stage. And that was okay. several, several years later. So I don't know. Maybe he – I don't know what, what his problem was, but he, he was having some pain. And then uh, also while I was standing there with him, he also I, – I guess I must have said something like – I must have mentioned how much I like Dr. Fives because I had been able to see that while I was in Thailand. And – his response to that was very interesting. remember this was nineteen seventy three and okay. he was still hopeful he He said, "We are hoping to make a third so fives Horizons, again had already been done, and he said, "We are hoping to make a third Dr. Fives, and it will be called Brides of Dr. Fibes." Sadly, that never happened mm-hmm. i don't know I don't know why, but uh, at the time that I was there. It must have been in semi-planning stages, and and it sounded to me like Vincent would have been on board and willingly to do that, but it didn't happen.
0: I've heard over the years that there was talk of trying to do a third one, but for whatever reason, it just never happened. So,
5: yeah. interesting yeah.
0: that he brought it up then too. That it was yes, sounded like he was on board. Yes,
5: and then uh, one other thing I can I can mention at some point in the day. And I'll get back to the, the lunch break in a minute. Don't let me forget that. But at some okay. point in the day, a man came up and was talking to me, and he said that he was doing the special effects. He didn't give me his name or anything, and I was too dumb to ask him. I probably wouldn't remember it anyway. <laughs> but I was nice to him, and I said, uh, it was after the fire, and I said, wow, that was, that was really cool to see that fire. And he went, oh, that was nothing. And he said, we had a really big fire on Evils of Frankenstein. <laughs>
6: oh, <laughs>
5: but, and that's what he said. He called it Evils of Frank. Not the Evil of Frank. He called it Evils of Frankenstein.
6: Okay.
5: And uh, and then when he told me he did the special effects, he looked at me and he said, uh, "How did you like my rope trick in Vault of Horror?" <laughs> well, I, at that time, at that time, Vault of Horror had just come out in earlier of that year. And uh, wow. I had already left Thailand, so I had been traveling for several months, so I had not seen Vault of Horror yet.
3: Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. No! No! Below the crypt lies the Vault of Horror. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. The vault of horror. It has all the
5: things that make life worth living. Uh, I looked, so I looked him up, and so I was talking to one of two people. He uh, was either Norman Curse, K E R S S, or Roy Spencer. The the special effects team is listed on Google as Curse and Spencer. Okay. For uh, for Madhouse. So it was one of the two guys. I don't know which one. Now, the last couple things I'll mention is at one point in the proceedings, I can't remember whether it was before or after the fire. Oh, there was another scene later, too. I got, I'm not done yet.
6: <laughs> <Okay>.
5: <laughs> Everybody broke for lunch. Okay. And they just left me there. I mean, they left. Every single person left the soundstage except me.
6: Wow. What I did just stood
5: there. I just stood there, and nobody invited me to come come along, or nobody even you know nobody seemed to mine nobody, nobody noticed me and i had, I didn 't bring anything to eat. I was alone in the sound stage the entire time the crew was gone to lunch Wow and i I, I am proud to say that i i didn't disturb a thing
0: <laughs> no, no souvenirs huh
5: no i i did. Walk around. Uh I walked onto onto the set, and my goodness, thank goodness I didn't lay down on that bed. I could have been killed. (laughs) 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 I guess the nauticals, you know, come up and then the canopy comes down. But Uh uh, no, I didn't. I didn't do that. The only thing that I did in my walking around the uh, the sound stage was I noticed another chair, and it had the name Peter Cushion. Oh wow! So yes. Yes, I sat down in his chair for a brief moment. So
6: Oh, that's wow. The,
5: that's the closest I ever got to meeting him, because, of course, he was not there that day. It was just Vincent, the stuntman, and Natasha Pine. Uh, Robert Quarry was not there, and Adrian Corey was not there. Linda Hayden was not there. Thank God, Vincent was. But, yeah. And then after the fire, Vincent looked at me. He wasn't giving me that much attention, but he did look at me, and he said, Stick around, so i I stuck around, and uh so after a period of time, he came back out, and he had been in the makeup, and he had his burn makeup on
6: oh, okay,
5: yeah, so then that was the final scene that I saw them shoot that day was uh Vincent walking through flames, wearing his burn makeup, and they had a technician who was like squatting on the floor in front of Vincent as he was coming. Towards us, and he was holding up this like a triangular metal device with a with a hose on it, mm-hmm. and they called it a fan tail. And what it did is it shot up flames in front of the camera, in front of Vincent, but not 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 close to him at all. It's just it gives the illusion that he's got flames all around him and flames in front of him. Right. And actually this this guy was kind of like uh, he was squatting, holding up this fan tail and like duck walking backwards <laughs> with the camera right behind him and me right next to the camera. That scene shows up in the actual movie Madhouse only at the end when Peter Cushing is projecting the, the little roll of film that Robert Quarry has given him as Paul Toombs' last reel of film. Remember?
6: Right. Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, so Cushing is back at home, and he's uh, projecting... That scene, and that's where you see see the scene that I'm describing. And then all of a sudden, it's like it looks like Vincent has, has come walking out of the screen while he's on the screen, coming through the flames. It's a very brief shot. He, he was making eye contact directly with me. So every time I watch <laughs> that movie, I, 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 I'm seeing him looking at me. Wow. Also, you get a better view of the uh, Rocky e. Taylor going up in flames during that movie, too, that when Cushing is projecting that movie. You actually see him falling on the table, which you don't see in the actual movie part. So. Right. And that's about it. The, the last thing that happened was towards the end of the day, I found myself out in the hallway, on my way out, and uh, I found myself standing there for a moment and having another word with Vincent. And you know, just amazed at you know, how tall he was. I'm five eleven, but he's like way over six feet. I'm looking up to him. Sure. I, I expressed my regret uh in not having been able to meet Peter Cushing. And he said, you know, he came very, very close to actually telling me where I could find him. Oh no. <laughs> and then he then but then he paused and he said, No, his wife just recently passed Oh yeah, and I'm—I got to have second thoughts about that, you know. So, but I thought—I mean, I, I mean, I admired him for that. I mean, sure, because he—he wanted to. He wanted—he wanted to get me in touch with with Peter Cushing, but uh, he thought then he thought about how sad he was and how upset, how distraught he was, and so he thought thought better of it. But yeah, so that's all the stories you've heard about how devastated Cushing was. I can verify that. Sure, and that was that was it. I left. And I got back, and uh, I guess I've never quite been the same since.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's that's a heck of an experience, man. That's Wow. Now, how long between that and – or how much time passed between that and actually seeing the movie Madhouse? Did you see it in the theater?
5: Uh, for, uh, first of all, uh, I did ask. It was probably – Norman Cress, Norman Curse, or or Roy Spencer. I finally asked, "What the hell is the name of this movie you're shooting?" <laughs> and uh, at that time, it was called The Revenge of Doctor Death. Okay. So it wasn't called Madhouse. So after I got home, I guess it was uh, the the next year. It was '74 probably, and I saw the ad in the paper, the the movie Madhouse, but it, I could instantly tell. That that was the revenge of Doctor Death. So, I caught that at a drive-in after sitting through uh, the Twilight People. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I went back two or three times, and I had to sit through the Twilight People two or three times to keep seeing Madhouse because it was so cool to see that movie.
6: Uh-huh.
5: And yeah, it was. It was. I think it was it was based on a novel called uh, Devil Day by Angus Hall. Well, I told you that I was uh, 26 then, yep. Vincent. Was 62. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Which means that right now, I am five years older than Vincent was then. Oh wow. And that's, that's a freaky thing for me to, <laughs> to know. <laughs> it's like, wow, am I really that old? Yes. Oh no. <laughs> yes, that's what happens when years go by. But yeah, once, when I got home, I did write a thank you note to Milton, but, uh, I never got a response. That that would have been cool enough right there, just seeing him.
6: Sure. Because he did
5: all those screenplays and one of the big Amicus guys. And right. I guess he was. Uh, I'm not sure. Was, was he American? I know Max is he American. Was. Yeah. No, he
0: was. Yeah, oh, he was American too, as well.
5: Yeah, because Madhouse says it's a it's an American International Amicus co-production. Right. Doesn't it? But at least I I was able to tell Vincent you know how much uh, I I loved the theater of blood. That was cool. <laughs> That was just uh, too freaky, just seeing that movie, and then the very next day, there he is.
0: That's crazy. I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like, you know? <laughs>
5: know? Especially
0: when you describe him opening, you know, coming right for you, making yes. eye contact with you, and yes. then later seeing that scene in the movie. Yes. Oh, wow.
5: It was like a dream. It was a real dream come come true. I guess I, I was incredible. I mean, it wouldn't have happened had I not made that phone call, but that being said... Man, I was very, very lucky. Very lucky.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine something like that happening today. You just cold yeah. call somebody, and they're like, "Oh yeah, come on out." I just can't imagine it.
5: No, no, that, that would would never happen again. Uh, all, uh, probably not at the Toho Studios either.
0: Oh no, not at all. Which,
5: again, was I was even luckier there
0: <laughs> because of the language difference,
5: or? Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they they took me into a into a what I thought was a warehouse. That had all the suits, all the Godzilla and Rodan and Gidra, and they're all in there. Huh. And it's uh, circa whatever that was, 1972, so those were probably the costumes, the suits that were used in things like uh, Destroy All Monsters, you know, about that era. Sure. I found, I didn't find out until later on that uh, it wasn't a, it was being used as a warehouse, but what it was was an old uh, practice gym where dudes like uh, Toshiro Mifune would go in there and work out and practice their samurai skills. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're restoring uh, the monster suits.
0: That's amazing.
5: <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Oddly enough, uh, or sadly enough, both of those places, I think, well, I I'm, I think Toho has been rebuilt. I don't know if in the same location or not, but Toho had a fire and burned down, and, uh, and so did Twickenham. I mean, not that soon after I was there, but... Sure. Yeah, there was eventually a fire. I don't know whether it was because they were shooting a fire scene or probably not, because they had those things pretty well controlled. Right. So I got back back to my bed and breakfast, and I got something to eat before I passed out.
0: <laughs> That's right, man. You hadn't eaten all day. You'd been on your feet all day. But just having the experience with with Vincent Price and seeing a film being produced, a film that, I mean, it sounds like you said you went back and saw it repeatedly. I'm sure you've got it on DVD now. Oh,
5: sure.
0: And it's a fun film. Like I said, I had just watched it uh, for the first time. You know, I love my classic monster movies, but there's a lot out there that I hadn't seen Mm -hmm. that that I'm still playing catch up on a lot just because of how my background growing up was. Sure. And watching this one, this was a fun little movie with, I mean, Vincent Price is top of his game playing a... You know, a guy who does monster movies. So, I mean, it's right in his wheelhouse is what he's known for. And it's yeah. a great film. I think the title's a little misleading. It is. But other than that, I think the movie's phenomenal.
5: Some of the, uh, some of, like, the, the murder scenes are kind of like, they, they kind of like remind you of uh, Argento. Yes. With the glo- gloves in the hands. and
0: You always see somebody putting on the black gloves before something's about to go down. And, yeah. I mean, that's a very Argento-like thing. Yes.
5: Yes. And I always love uh, Linda Hayden and anything she's in. Yeah. Uh, And Adrian Corey, and got the music by the same guy that did all those other Amicus films.
0: Now, you're pronouncing it Amicus. I've always pronounced it Amicus. It sounds like maybe I'm wrong. It it is Amicus? I have no
5: idea. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I expect it could go either way. I have no idea.
0: Well, we we both know what we're talking about. Amicus, Amicus, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it is it is a good little movie, and I'm glad I watched it. And Roger, thank you so much for sharing these stories with me and with Monster Kid Radio. I I'm blown away. I was quiet through most of it because <laughs> I had to put myself on mute while I was listening to you because I kept going, "Wow,
5: wow." The only regret that I have is that guys like you could not be there with me. You know, yeah. And I would I would love to have been able to experience that with uh, with other friends that were of like interest. That would have been even cooler. I was talking once with Greg Nicotero at a bar one time after a convention. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I was, you know, he had had a, cool a few, he had had a few drinks, you know, and he was listening, and, I, and I, there were other people at the table, and I was yammering away telling these stories about my experiences, and he made a comment, he said, he said, my god, you're like the forest gump of monster kids. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, I've, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been lucky to do that, and I, I always, I always enjoy relating this, and I like being able to tell the stories because uh, it keeps me remembering them.
0: Well, then of course we've got the movie to to help jog the well, memory, a, you know, well, and that and sure I'm, does
5: too. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I'm not going to watch that movie again in the same way now, knowing <laughs> that I'm friends with the guy who was there, and, you know, man, just yeah, t- to hear the stories, it's amazing. I think, you know, I mentioned earlier that we're pretty lucky that we can see these movies on DVD or on oh, demand or whatever. No I I th- also think we're very lucky to have things like Facebook and Skype, which we're using right now, so that we can connect long distance to talk about this yeah. stuff, because you know, us monster kids, man, we got to stick together and keep remembering these movies. and Boy, we should. Every once in a while, one of us gets lucky and gets on the set. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: we got to keep the tradition of Uncle Forey going.
0: Oh, sure. I've said this before elsewhere. I don't know if I've said it on my podcast, but I feel like podcasting sometimes, you know, might have been something that Forey would have been really excited about because uh-huh. it's an opportunity to, to communicate with so many people all over the place so quickly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he
5: would have really. I, I, I thank you for inviting me. Oh yeah. And,
0: uh, and it sounds like we'll probably have to have you on again. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like there might be a few more stories here and there we're going to want to talk about. I, I got to hear more about this Toho experience, man. Well, it's
5: not it's not monster related, but I have a pretty amazing story with personal story with uh, Johnny Weissmuller who was uh, the Tarzan. It <laughs> uh, will probably crack <laughs> you up. It's it's pretty funny.
0: Well, we'll definitely have to do that then. Because, I, I, you know, it's my podcast. So I can talk about whatever I want. And if I <laughs> want to talk about the guy who played Tarzan, that's what we'll do.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you have any other conventions coming up soon that people might be able to bump into you at?
5: Uh, there's a possibility there's a convention in Indianapolis. It's actually uh, not that far from where I'm living. It's about, probably about an hour, a little over an hour drive. I think it's the Days of the Dead is what it's called. And I think it's okay. the very end of uh, February, and okay. they're they're going to have they're going to have a a lot of the people from uh, the, the original Dawn of the Dead there.
6: Uh, okay,
5: people that I have not met, like David M.G. and uh, oh wow Scott Reiniger who plays uh, Roger and uh, sure. and the girl Galen Ross and of course Ken Forey, who I've met several times. They're going to be there, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I may very well, if the weather permits slip up there i'm not going to be able to afford the huge big deal where you can you know pay to see george romero and and i think john waters is going to be there but i might be around somebody might bump into me if (laughs) if they go to (laughs) that i'll let people know on facebook whether or not i'm actually going i'd like my daughter to go it's going to depend upon how she's feeling should be about six months six months along by then. So, but we'll see.
0: Well, if there are any Monster Kid Radio listeners out there who bump into Roger, tell them that Derek said hi cause, and, and shake his hand and thank him for these stories. Cause this is amazing.
5: Well, thank you. It's, again, it's totally my pleasure.
0: So Roger and I chatted for a little bit after the conversation that you heard and i think we're probably going to have him on the show again in the future because he mentioned another name another well is it fair to call him a patron saint even though we don't use him in the slogan you know what he met somebody else that's relevant and near and dear to our hearts here at monster kid radio we'll talk a little bit about that with him in the future open invitation to roger to come on the show anytime Also, big thanks to Roger for letting us use his artwork as the episode images for this episode and then the last episode as well. That's his artwork. And again, look him up on Facebook or various message boards or order his book and you can see more of his incredible monster art. Thanks, Roger. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, you are going to hear the long-awaited part two of the interview that I did with the filmmakers behind Tales of Dracula. Now, part one, there were some audio problems, but there's still some solid content in there. Part two, we remastered it. They did a little bit of work on their end. I did a little bit more work on my end, and it's going to sound a heck of a lot better. So part two of that is coming. And then a special announcement. And then the week after that, is February, which is Women in Horror Month. And as I mentioned on the Kaiju cast when I appeared on there a couple of weeks ago, because it's Women in Horror Month here at Monster Kid Radio, we are going to celebrate some of the women who have been involved in classic Monster Movies. It's going to be a lot of fun. I've been lining up interviews, lining up conversations, and getting a few movies on my DVD shelf so that I'm ready for Women in Horror Month here on Monster Kid Radio. In the meantime, though, remember, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song stingray dream that belongs to the surf zombies it's from their album lust for rust and it appears on this episode of monster kid radio with their permission you can find them on facebook so go check them out talk to everybody next week